live somewhere. <laughs> the, honestly, that was the funniest way to say that you got a new place. <laughs> I live somewhere. I have a home now. You do. You have a beautiful home. You sent me pictures of the place that you found, which like, if you ever need to hunt for an apartment, I would not trust anyone other than you. It's funny. I don't actually want to take credit for this. My mom found this apartment and she is the real estate agent for my whole family. She found my aunt's house or at least helped her lock it down. She she just always finds everyone's place and she found this spot on Craigslist. Guys, be careful with Craigslist. Um, Unless you're Carol, in which case, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, she's amazing. She found it. And from the beginning, she was like, go get this apartment. Um, And actually, this is a funny story. People will like this. So everyone calls my new apartment the gingerbread house Mm -hmm. because the kitchen has those cabinets that have the little, like, froofy designs on the bottom like yeah i call them whipped cream but my dad calls it gingerbread that's Uh, so cute and it has those lnh hinges those like old-fashioned iron looking hinges so you're the witch in the woods yeah so my dad called it gingerbread and then my mom and i said oh yeah it's the gingerbread house little did we know it that is now what it is called what it's called (laughs) it's the name of the house of course (laughs) It's the gingerbread house. Yeah. So when do you plan to lure children in? Or is that just like not on the agenda? (laughs) Uh, I will not be luring children because I'm not especially fond of them. Uh, Mm -hmm, I -hmm. I like children in small bursts. But here's the thing. The gingerbread house did start the discussion about witches eating children and how that works works in fairy tales and like the the ethics but in fantasy land was this a conversation with your parents of course it was (laughs) (laughs) because my mom asked the same question yeah what else is the obvious follow-up question when someone says my house is the gingerbread house what else is there i was thinking gumdrop buttons might be the answer. Ooh, gumdrop buttons. Like a little path of gumdrop buttons. It has changed how I want to decorate. Like I was looking at little like automatic nightlight kind of things because I keep stubbing my toes because I mm-hmm, mm-hmm. don't know where I live in the dark. Right, right. So I was looking at little nightlights and I was thinking I found these mushroom looking ones. That feels a little like gingerbread housey oh yeah <laughs> very cottage core meets proud hag i think is the vibe that we're feeling kaylee said that my decor style is postmodern hag yeah, and that's why kaylee is smarter and funnier than i'll ever be hey kaylee that's thanks so for good. making her podcast funny <laughs> oh that one got me that did get me that was good Hey, I'm Rowan Hall. I've been gotten. (laughs) And I'm Tracy Harrison. I've been gotten good. (laughs) And this is Willing and Fable, the podcast that brings you original retellings and in-depth research on the history, mystery, and mythology that makes the world so fascinating. Ah, I'm so happy to be recording with you again. Anyway. (laughs) I know. Even though we have been recording, like, for example, Kaylee very kindly lent us her, me, her space, Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not the same. No, and it's just, um, I don't know. I'm in a, like a very good mood today, and I'm just very excited to be recording with you. 
It's always fun. Uh, everyone should know that Tracy looks like a little <laughs> unhappy teenage boy. And hearing that <laughs> ch- chirpy message of, I'm just happy to be recording. It's so cute. <laughs> I did answer the video call to Rowan with, um, I'm in my teenage dirtbag era today. <laughs> just today only. <laughs> for, uh, obviously, this is a, a audio medium, but I do. Ha- I stole my sister's jean vest with patches and pins. Mm. And I have a shirt that says creepy on it because all I know is the topic of today's episode. And I wanted my shirt to reflect the vibe. Mm-hmm. Okay, before we dive into that. Yeah. Every week, we research a topic from history or mythology, and then we write an original story to go along with that topic. So if you, dear listener, would like to support the podcast, consider sending us a listener legend. It could be an experience with a ghost, a big fish tale passed down through your family, or a spooky, unexplained event that you saw. Hmm. Whatever it is, you can email us at willingandfable at gmail.com or fill out the contact form at willingandfable.com. You can also check out all of our other cool content on our website. We have tons of recommendations of books and shops and other favorites that we've mentioned on the show, as well as very fun-themed merch. Uh, like the fantastic kind of hellish sorcerer-styled comic book design of Tracy and I that I love so much, mm-hmm. uh, specifically as a baseball tee. So if you're also a teenage dirtbag, that is your move. <laughs> or you can support the show by sitting in the darkness of your room and whispering secrets to your childhood stuffed animal while they stare back at you unblinking. But no matter what you do, we're so glad to have you here. Hey, Trace, thanks for doing that for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks for writing that one. That was a spooky one. (laughs) Uh, We're on vibe today. Okay, here's the deal. Here's why Tracy Mm -hmm. is saying creepy things and wearing creepy shirts. (laughs) Aside from all the usual reasons. Mm -hmm. Oh, right, right, right. Aside from the (laughs) usual. Yeah. Everyone knows life's been a little bit spicy. For me, for her, for us. <laughs> so it's it's been a few months. Um, are we measuring sure. in months now? I think we are. As opposed to what weeks? Oh no, babe, it's been months. So it's a newborn that's months old. We're not doing that weird like. Oh yeah, this this mental health episode is sixteen <laughs> weeks old. <laughs> yeah, we've reached months. Um, hopefully, we don't get to the point where we're like, "Oh, this mental health crisis is twenty eight months old." I, even my own nephews, I was like, "I don't know, they're like a little over two years old." I never understood how people would count in months past when it becomes a year. Yeah, yeah, and to be fair, I think I just labeled it like a mental health episode. It's a it's a real life crisis. No, yours is a real, actual, like, you were in a dangerous situation that you needed to get out of. I I just was like, hmm, I'm stressed. (laughs) Mine's the more, like, mental health crisis. And yours was like, I'm afraid for her. Um, So I'm very, very happy that you were in a safe place again and slowly healing. Thank you. Did you know that um (laughs) – when a crisis stops being a crisis but still has long-term ramifications, it actually just becomes a mental health crisis. <laughs> the next Pokemon evolution. 
is just dealing with your own crap. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, things have been not ideal. So I decided to do a variety show style episode about haunted dolls. I did something kind of like this for episode 63 on Ghost Lights where I presented haunted theaters Mm -hmm. from around the world and was really fun to do. And we've kind of hit this point in the summer where I really need it to be Halloween. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I've I've seen people online calling it October, and I love that. That's cute. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I had to check with Tracy to be like, are you down with this topic? It's haunted dolls. And a quick Word of warning for our listeners, because this is an episode that deals with haunting as ghosts, it does include mention of untimely deaths as well as the deaths of children. There will be no great detail on either subject, but listener discretion is, as always, advised. Now, a doll could be magical, blessed, holy, lucky, cursed, haunted, among the other more traditional doll characteristics like cute or on sale or handmade (laughs) (laughs) yeah yep Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i want to say right off that i really tried to make the distinction of haunted doll not just Mm -hmm. cursed doll or creepy doll well Okay. All right. The, I stumbled into a gray area. The dolls, they bit. are a creepin'. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. They're spooking. They're creepin'. Got it. Got it. Got it. <laughs> and we know that people have sought to represent themselves through art and objects all the way back from millennia. Dolls are not different. In 2004, a 4,000 year old stone doll was uncovered in an archaeological dig on the Mediterranean island of Pentelleria. Now, how do we know it's a doll? Could it have been a paperweight? Yeah. Like, who decides? How how detailed was this stone doll? No clue. Haven't seen it. Oh. Not super available to me, actually. And to be honest, I was like, that's a fun little anecdote. Uh, let's go to the modern scarier dolls. <laughs> let's do it. But... Also no, the British Museum has examples of Egyptian rag dolls. There is, actually, there are many museums dedicated only to dolls. My favorite name of which that I found was the Museum and Headquarters of the United Federation of Doll Clubs Incorporated. Ooh. No, uh, at no point did anyone say, maybe we should shorten this. They went, no, this all, this is all accurate and good. You know, it's really cool for people to have interests and hobbies and passions, but Mm -hmm. there is that point with any passion, especially passions that have a phobia attached to them, that you just have to wonder, where is the line and have we crossed it? (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. We never stopped to ask if we should. We only asked if we could, that whole thing. Exactly. (laughs) So the phobia related to dolls is called pediophobia, and it's related to puppophobia, which is the fear of puppets, and this falls under the broader fear of humanoid figures, which is automatonophobia. Okay. In her article, The History of Creepy Dolls, Linda Rodriguez McRobbie for Smithsonian Magazine says, quote, Before the 18th and 19th centuries, dolls weren't real enough to be threatening. 
Only when they began to look too human did dolls start to become creepy, uncanny, and psychology began investigating. I'm sure you'll talk about it, but my guess is that's when the Uncanny Valley really kicked in. Yeah, you know, I've talked about the Uncanny Valley a lot, I think, on this podcast. I definitely mention it in Clowns. The Uncanny Valley is basically when something looks too human and your brain goes, danger, Will Robinson, because Mm -hmm. it's not human. It's, it's the, you know, at the peak of one side is it doesn't look human at all and we can find it cute. Think like Wally, the robot. The other side is it's extremely human and we just recognize that. Think like really good live action. And then there's a terrifying middle <laughs> where your brain can't figure out what's happening and it sees it as danger because it's not quite normal and not quite normal could be scary. I do find it hard to imagine, though, that early dolls weren't creepy just because they weren't as human. Like, imagine, let's go to the cold Scandinavian winter where mythology tends to be scary because they're like, hey, kids, stay inside at night and don't go out and freeze. Um, We love you. I do imagine sitting in a cold, dark room when the fire has burned low, a doll could potentially look menacing. Doesn't matter if it's made out of corn or rags. It's there's just something inherently creepy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. So McRobbie goes further to say, and this is a long quote that I love, quote, I think there is quite a tradition of using dolls to reflect cultural values and how we see children or who we wish them to be, says Patricia Hogan, curator at the Strong National Museum of Play in Rochester, New York, and associate editor of the American Journal of Play. For example, she says, by the end of the 19th century, many parents no longer saw their children as unfinished adults, but rather regarded childhood as a time of innocence that ought to be protected. In turn, dolls' faces took on a more cherubic, angelic look. Dolls also have an instructional function, often reinforcing gender norms and social behavior. Through the 18th and 19th century, dressing up dolls gave little girls the opportunity to learn to sew or knit. Hogan says girls also used to act out social interactions with their dolls, not only classic tea parties, but also more complicated social rituals, such as funerals, as well. In the early 20th century, right around the time that women were increasingly leaving the home and entering the workplace, infant dolls became more popular, inducting young girls into a cult of maternal domesticity. In the second half of the 20th century, Barbie and her myriad career and sartorial options provided girls with alternative aspirations, while action figures offered boys a socially acceptable way to play with dolls, end quote. I really, really hadn't internalized the way that dolls can be used for education and social indoctrination until I read that quote. Oh, I love that quote because think of all of... The, I mean, you see them all the time now. There's there's dolls for like the the what are those like I'm real alive babies or whatever where like they cry and they have real working <laughs> tear ducts or all the different ways that we show children what's okay through the toys they play with and it's true. I mean, girls are naturally well, I shouldn't say it so definitively, but they've they you see girls engage in more social play and that's. Things like playing tea parties and funerals, especially when you don't have a great concept of death. I'm pretty sure I play acted like funerals as a kid. Really? Probably. I genuinely don't think I ever did. I definitely did the whole like playhouse 
all the time. That probably included. Uh, honestly, if there's anyone in my life, I would have. Yeah, it was me. Play it acted a funeral with. It would have been Just because I don't remember so, it doesn't mean it wasn't me. <laughs> it does feel like something we would do. It does. We spend an awful lot of time in the cemetery. I also, my parents 100% indoctrinated me with my dolls because all my dolls were horses or unicorns <laughs> or fairies or fairy princesses or mermaids or mermaid princesses. They were like, no, Rowan, you will be <laughs> a fantastical main character. And look at us now. <laughs> look at us now. <laughs> I got mostly hand-me-down dolls. Not not only. I, I do remember getting some original, like, new dolls. But a lot of them were just hand-me-down for my older sisters. I remember saving up literal coins mm -hmm. to purchase a doll at the store. And the gal at the register was livid because it was hundreds of coins oh <laughs> but now i find dolls to be very creepy i still don't i mean i don't really find barbies creepy um but i do find porcelain dolls uncomfortable and i have since i was a child i've always found porcelain dolls to be I don't like them. I don't like the way they look at me. I don't like that I feel like I'm going to turn around and they're going to be moving. I don't like it. Okay. I'm going to tell now one of the definitive horror stories from my childhood. I don't know how we ended up here. I think it was for a Christmas party, but it was my mom and I at a yeah. Christmas party of someone that we lived near. So, you know, you're not close with them, but you're physically close to them so you go to the christmas party yeah and i don't know how it happened but the older woman who owned the house cornered my mom and i and we're like do you want to oh no okay it was the older woman who owned the house next door okay so we were at a normal party and then we the woman who owned the house next door was like do you want to come and see my dolls and i a little girl who had dolls was like absolutely i want to see your mm -hmm. dolls and I think my mom was a bit wary, <laughs> but we went to the house and it was one of those houses that every single room was packed full of those dolls that looked real. No. And they were dressed in different outfits. And when I say packed full, I don't mean like there were some shelves chock-a-block full of dolls. I mean like the couches, the furniture, every square inch was filled with these dolls. And I was very young. But both my mom and I were like, are we going to die right today? <laughs> Is today the day? I cannot imagine that. I can't. I, I know someone in my family got it in their head that my twin sister, Jamie, really liked porcelain dolls for a little bit. Oh, no. So she got like three or four of them over the years. And then it was like, oh, okay, no, don't do this. And I hated that thing. It was in the back of my mom's closet. And every time I would have to like run in for something, it would just whoop, right there. That's a that's a nightmare. <sighs> uh, yeah. So I can't imagine walking into a room where then – the, the ones that have Hundreds the, of eyes. Yeah, the really wet looking eyes and the really like mm – -hmm. The dolls look moist. Like – Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking so much smack for someone who has watched hours, literal many hours of doll repainting videos on YouTube. I'm talking so much smack for an only child that had a bunch of dolls. But anyway, 
Creepy. Creepy is the word for dolls. It seems to be always linked with it. Not scary, not terrifying. They're creepy. In 2013, Mm -hmm. Frank McAndrew, a psychologist at Knox College in Illinois, and graduate student Sarah Koki published a paper on their working hypothesis on the meaning of creepiness. They surveyed more than 13,000 people to figure out what each person found creepy. Spoiler alert. Collecting dolls was considered to be one of the creepiest hobbies a person could possibly have. Yeah. McAndrew says, quote, You're getting mixed messages. If something is clearly frightening, you scream. You run away. If something is disgusting, you know how to act. But if something is creepy, it might be dangerous, but you're not sure it is. There's more ambivalence. Ken Hoyt is an employee of the Pollock's Toy Museum in London, And this museum famously has a doll room that he Mm. compares to a, quote, haunted house. He says of people's fear going through this room, quote, The dolls don't age well. I think any time that a doll really tries to look like a human being and is now 100 years old, the hair is decaying, the eyes don't work anymore, so it looks as much like a baby as possible, but like an ancient baby. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of want to go see that room. I mean, I'll do it. I love a creepy thing. I And the thing is, I don't. I'm curious how doll collecting is in this weird place because it's described as a creepy hobby to have, but quote-unquote creepy people, people who I think of as being into horror or that kind of stuff, I think of as very different than the types of people who do doll collecting. So you could watch endless hours of people being brutally murdered in these horror movies and, you know, torture porn videos, whatever they are. And everyone's like, yeah, that's a normal, that's, yep, that's our friend, Billy. Yet Carol collects a bunch of dolls and she's the creepy one. Like, it's just this interesting dynamic. Why did you have to pick Carol? My mom is personally offended. Oh, you're right. Yeah. I was going to say Karen and then I panicked last minute. That's so funny. It's funny. I Now in doing this research, I can't stop thinking about all these expectations that are put onto dolls because they're always like very, very pretty girls or very, very cute, pretty little boys. And I don't – I mean mm-hmm. pretty in the like classic stereotypical lace makeup-y, oh, yeah. angelic eyes. Like, and, and this is talking about like dolls like – Haunted dolls that you think of dolls. Like, they, they're right, also right. exactly what your mind goes weirdly to. sexualized dolls. That's creepy. Um, and then there's also dolls that inaccurately portray other people's cultures, and that's messed up. Mm-hmm. And there are just so many things put onto dolls that make them creepier. And it's because they're so often young girls, it just feels even worse because they feel more vulnerable. And I know Mm. Toy Story messed me up. So that's in there too. Absolutely. Okay. So uh, what is the first one we're talking about? Okay. So the definitive doll that everybody thinks about when talking about creepy dolls is Annabelle. She became famous in the 1970s and even more famous when The Conjuring and Annabelle films first came out. In researching this episode, I found that after Annabelle came out in September of 2014, the whole internet basically rediscovered scary dolls. 
The real Annabelle is actually a Raggedy Ann doll that's owned by occultist Ed and Lorraine Warren. She's all over the internet. Go look her up. She's at the Warren's Occult Museum in Monroe, Connecticut. You can go see her. We're not talking about Annabelle today because that's boring. We're talking about the doll that is often said in the same sentence alongside her, and that is Robert the doll, because Robert the doll is the reason we're doing this episode. Ooh, all right, let's get into it. Okay. So the doll story that brought me to doll stories is the tale Mm -hmm. of Robert the doll, which I found while scrolling the internet one night in my uncle's haunted Victorian mansion when I was hanging out in my family and I decided to read it aloud to them. We had the lights really low and I was just reading Mm -hmm. scary stories. And I read about Robert the doll and then went, oop, I scared myself a little. Um, And then that (laughs) night, my uncle hid these creepy clown dolls underneath my pillow And it was such a good one Uh, because I was up in the scary uh, attic where there's no power. It was so good. He Mm -hmm. got me. And then I put them in the window so that people on the street would see them. So lesson learned. That's a good response to that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Robert is a 117-year-old doll. He's a little boy in a sailor suit with a puppy that lives at the Fort East Martello Museum in Key West, Florida. Tracy, you've just scrolled just a smidgen, but if you want to look at the first picture, I plan to show you a little later, but I want you to see right off the bat. (laughs) Oh, no! (laughs) (laughs) The dog's cute. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. No, his it's face not distinctly. The dog's cute. The dog's cute. Oh, I hate. I hate so much about this. Okay. Yeah, he's. It's as described. He's. He's a little boy in a sailor's outfit with the. It's more of a blob than a dog with big eyes, but it's a white sailor's outfit, white cap. The thing that Rowan didn't warn me about is he looks to be like a cloth doll stuffed with something. No, I think he's made – well, maybe, but he looks like he's made out of cork, maybe, his head. His head definitely looks like cork. I was thinking his feet oh, look like they they look sewn. like leather. They do. They do. It looks like a – yeah, it looks like leather and cork. His face is filled with holes and it is – I think he has real hair, like real human people hair. It's blonde. It is blonde, but it's the same shade of blonde as his cork face is colored, so it – all blends together. He's just got two beady little black eyes. And then there's just not a lot of shape to his face. So it's just kind of a- It's Uncanny Valley. Yes, it's the Uncanny Valley. The funny thing is, his dog that he's holding is a stuffed animal. And it's made out of that like old kind of teddy bear fur that does not age well. Um, Yeah. But it aged in the same way stuffed animals from that time aged. So it looks like he, an old doll, is holding an old stuffed animal of an older dog. Yes. Yeah, that's absolutely what it looks like. The other interesting detail, um, there are papers behind him in this photo, which of course will always be on the Instagram. Uh, Those are all letters written to Robert the doll. I'll tell you more about that in a sec. And there's a big sticker right on the front of the glass of this picture that says, warning, don't photograph. And we're looking at a photograph. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> so before becoming a museum piece 
1994, he's locked away now behind UV glass in a climate-controlled box. Before all of that, Robert belonged to Robert Eugene Otto, an eccentric artist and member of a, quote, prominent Key West family. Conveniently, the real man, he went by Gene. So person is Gene, Robert is doll. Okay. Okay. That's helpful. Gene's grandfather bought the doll on a trip to Germany, and it was actually produced by the same company that made the teddy bear in honor of Theodore Roosevelt. Corey Convertito, the curator of the museum where our haunted creepy little friend lives, says, quote, What people really remember is what they would probably term as an unhealthy relationship with the doll. He brought it everywhere. He talked about it in the first person, as if he weren't a doll, he was Robert, as in a live entity. There are more outlandish stories that cite voodoo, quote-unquote, and I use the term as it often describes the fictionalized practice, not the real mm-hmm. voodoo, which if you want to learn about, we talk about it in episode 11 on Death Gods. I'll touch a bit more kind of on that later, but okay. Andy Wright for Atlas Obscura describes the usual tale we hear about Robert. Quote, According to legend, young Otto began to blame mishaps on the doll. While this could have been laughed off as a childish storytelling, adults also started noticing odd occurrences, especially as Otto and Robert grew older. As an adult, Otto lived in a stately home he called the Artist House, where Robert could be seen positioned at the upstairs window. School children swore that he would appear and reappear as they avoided the house. Myrtle Reuter purchased the artist house after Otto's death in 1974 and also became Robert's new caretaker. Visitors swore they heard footsteps in the attic and giggling. Some claimed Robert's expression changed when anyone badmouthed Otto in his presence. End quote. My favorite part of the legend is that young Jean, after misbehaving, would commonly say, Robert told me to do it. Can you imagine anything more terrifying? No, no. Other than the doll turning its head and being like, yeah. Like, mm, mm." Of course, cameras and other pieces of tech malfunction in his presence, which is a classic spooky move. Good on you, Robert. Mm -hmm. The museum gets about one to three letters written to Robert every day. Rather than doll fan mail... They're usually apologies. People blame post-visit mishaps on showing a lack of respect to the doll. Some people write in asking for advice, or they want the doll to put a hex on someone that has wronged them. The museum keeps and catalogs every single letter. And they will mail in or leave everything from candies to joints for our spooky little man. (laughs) Joints is a shocking one for me. Candies, I can understand. You know, you're appeasing the the child doll. <laughs> Joints is a very specific kind of energy, and I, I think it's hilarious. <laughs> so Convertito <laughs> acts as Robert's proxy, responding to some letters. They try to respond to all the ones that they receive from children. That's great. She photoshopped the doll's head onto the famous photo of Kim Kardashian popping a bottle of champagne (laughs) 
And with 9,000 likes on Facebook, the museum was able to receive a grant that they won by a landslide because of that Photoshop. Got to do what you got to do. You got to do what you got to do in this world to get that money for the art, for the curation, for the haunted dolls. Mm -hmm. In response to the question about whether he is or is not haunted, our curator says, quote, I don't know. I really don't. I've never had a bad experience with him. I've never felt uncomfortable. It's always been a very basic relationship, and I have a job to do and go and do it. And whether there's something to it or not, he just allows me to get on with my job. There are articles about people going to see Robert and then making fun of him or taking photos and then, you know, they miss all their flights or the the hotel doesn't have their reservation. Just bad things happen. Yeah. Yeah. I love I mean, Robert. You know, it, when in doubt, just be respectful of the doll, you know? I say having roasted him. Ten minutes earlier. You better get your letter kit ready. I know. Get my my pen out and just start writing my apology now. He wants a wax seal too, Trace. Yeah, I can do that for him. <laughs> All right. Next is Okiku. She's another really famous haunted doll. Tracy, here's a picture for you. Oh, God. Okay. Your face. I was about to be like, it's not so bad. And then I um, kept looking. (laughs) So this is a photo of Okiku at the Menenji Temple in Hokkaido. Trace, what do we think? Okay, so the picture on the left shows it, shows the doll from further away. And she just looks like a very beautiful doll. Um, The the closer up, and the reason I hesitated is because at first it just looks like a very cherubic you know, young girl doll. She's got long black hair with bangs, a beautiful kind of pink kimono um, with a a beautiful print on the bottom. Very, very intricate. It's that um, what got me is what appears to be, at least from the grainy photo, like all black eyes. Maybe it's not. It could just be very dark brown eyes that because of the graininess of the photo, it's just the whites you can't see. Um, And the expression is sort of just this kind of like slightly surprised expression and and the, there's like a it, it, it's just there's something about her proportions that are very yeah. toddler like that also for some reason make me uncomfortable you know how some toddlers like their arms just seem a little short for their body because they just don't know what to do with them so they kind of like hold them <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah she yeah. kind of it looks like she's doing that it's just fist. It's the Arthur fist meme is what I'm seeing. <laughs> okay. In 1918, a 17-year-old named Ikichi Suzuki purchased a doll for his younger sister during his travels around the country. When he presented the gift to the two-year-old, Okiku, who in some versions of the story is called Kikuko, the little girl was delighted. She brought it everywhere with her. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. only a year later, the young girl passed away from sickness. The family added the doll to their household shrine to honor her loss. Not long later, they noticed that the doll's hair, which was once cut in an Okapa style, which is shorter with bangs. Uh, Think Mm -hmm. of short like a bob almost. Yeah, yeah. They noticed that it was growing down past the doll's shoulders. In 1938, the family moved, 
leaving the doll with the Menenji Temple in Hokkaido. There, caretakers tend to the doll, regularly trimming her hair that has grown about 10 inches, according to some reports. Some visitors also say that her mouth is slowly opening to reveal child's teeth. Supposedly, the doll's hair has been trimmed and tested, and it is, dun-dun-dun, real human hair. I mean, I can attest to the slightly open mouth thing. It's a very strange design, mm-hmm. if it was the design originally. The doll does have long, beautiful hair. Um, the thing that makes it unsettling with the hair in particular is that she her hair has kind of the wispy ends that hair gets when it's real human hair that is growing. And it's really grown and not been trimmed. Right. It yes. just it, when it needs a trim when you just haven't gotten that like nice scissor bluntness to the ends of your hair, they get kind of like light. It has that quality to it. Yes. Um Absolutely. And there are versions of this story where you know the doll walks around their house and acts like a little girl and they treat her like one but that to me seems like versions that came out of annabelle lore like Mm, this mm -hmm. haunted doll lore the thing that is really at the core of this story is that their daughter died and they added her to the shrine the doll Mm -hmm. and then the doll's hair started growing and it was cause for concern (laughs) yeah but also cause for respect Yes. They didn't th- – there was no get rid of the doll somewhere bad. There was – doll is protected. Definitely. And I, and I like that they left it with the temple. It's it's a little bit sad to think that if this doll is sort of – in you know, the spirit of their daughter is inhabiting the doll, that they would leave. But I, I appreciate that they gave it to the temple to have a, a home where people could then go see and pay respect to her. Yeah, I think there might be a point where you're like, hey, don't possess a doll. Like, you've done this for a bit. Let's let's be done with the doll. That's true. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. So this story brought me to a story that absolutely boggled my brain. I can't believe I didn't know about this. The Luke Tep of Thailand. Now, this phrase, Luktep, translates to child angels, and they are cherubic, mm-hmm. very human-looking dolls that are treated like children. They are dressed, pampered, taken to restaurants, and in all ways basically doted upon in a very human way. And just like the dolls I was talking about before, they just have that <laughs> moist, uh-huh. human-like quality to them. Uh-huh. uh-huh. So owners purchase a doll and take it to a monk who performs an anointing ceremony called Pluksek. Mm-hmm. This prayer has long been used to bless lucky amulets. The BBC writes, quote, In the case of Luktep, it is often seen as a way of animating the doll, where a wandering spirit is invited to inhabit it and give it a soul. Iona Probst of Culture Trip attributes the rise in the doll's popularity to one woman. Quote, Maining, who is a doll seller, is also a Hindu ritual expert, although self-professed, and a local radio DJ. She claimed on air that the dolls have superpowers. 
Shortly after the statement, Buddhist monks and fortune tellers held rituals to place, quote, lucky spirits into the plastic dolls. Thai celebrities were quick to jump on the bandwagon and were seen carrying Luke Tep wherever they went, end quote. I was on board in the beginning of this of like, okay, it's interesting cultural practice. Cool to see. All right. Okay. Oh, and it's a money scheme. Got it. Okay. All right. It sounds like it's a woman who figured out a way to get cash. Yeah, there's a lot of capitalism involved in this. And my understanding of this story is that in some ways, these dolls are kind of treated in the same way that small dogs are treated. Like they're brought everywhere. Which is not to say the dolls are treated like dogs in the negative but you know how you actually have to if you bring a dog places you have to care for the dog absolutely yeah yeah. where you can't leave it at home alone or yeah it seemed to have more of that energy to it um it's Mm -hmm. not a one-to-one but yeah some link the popularity of these dolls to reports of thailand's low fertility rate anthropologist asama mungkornchai from patani's prince of songkla university said the Luke Tep seem most popular with middle-class women and may, quote, fulfill the need for motherhood. She also adds that the desire for good luck and wealth highlights, quote, a current sense of insecurity among the Thai middle class, especially when it comes to the economy. In 2016, when this trend became especially popular, the economic climate of Thailand wasn't great making more accessible luxuries that link to spiritualism particularly appealing. 2016 was not long ago. I want to no. remind everyone, this is happening in, in current times. No no past tense spooky doll here. We We do like to look at stories from thousands of years ago. That's what we often cover. So it's easy to write things off as like, well, things were different. It was thousands of years ago. Right. And this is today. This is people that are w- walking around now doing these kinds of things. And, and I can I can see where the it would make sense, both from a, um, a, a there's a cultural miasma and a, and a way that we express our cultural fears. And I can see this coming through as something like that. And there's also just a a want to do what everyone else is doing. I can't think of all the different trends I've seen where I see that the first time, I think it's ridiculous and stupid. And then a year later, I'm like, but I want that thing now. Exactly. Oh my God, 100%. And the thing that I can tell is coloring my understanding of this is, well, twofold. One, I inherently, as an adult person, find dolls creepy. Mm -hmm. Two, this story was given to me by the internet when I searched haunted dolls when I was looking for information about scary dolls. Right. Because part of this includes the possibility that wandering spirits may be welcomed into the doll. And so we are oh, right. likening that to ghosts and hauntings when in fact the incorporation of spirits is not exactly the same. No, but I, I do want to touch on you just get what you get, huh? <laughs> With these. You get what you get and you don't get upset. And you don't get upset is what it sounds like. Iona Probst for Culture Trip also says, quote, The consensus sways more toward the Luke Tep culture being connected to the fusion of Thailand's strong Buddhist belief and influences from Hinduism, animism, and object-worshipping traditions. That said, 
There is some debate in the religious community about the appropriateness of Buddhist rituals on the dolls, a discourse that became very clear on the internet, where many discourses exist. Right. Thai PBS reports that the National Office of Buddhism says that the ritual on the dolls is no different from those that monks perform on objects like cars, and this practice was already accepted before the doll's popularity. BBC Thai reported a quote from a monk at Bua Kwan Temple, which is known for its doll blessings. The monk, Praarkarn Winai Titapanyo, said, As it does not violate our monkhood discipline, monks can recite incantations to please people. In 2016, the Prime Minister of Thailand also urged citizens not to participate in the trend if they cannot afford the dolls. The doll can range in price from 1,500 baht, which is about $42 in American money in 2016, but it can go up to tens of thousands in local currency. Not to mention that the dolls are often given lavish items and very expensive treatments, like manicures. It's not uncommon to give one of these dolls a manicure. Yeah. Oh, and um, in January of 2016, police in Chiang Mai found a doll loaded with 200 tablets of yaba, which is a recreational drug. So capitalism is a real complicated part of this party. Um, And that also makes it pretty sticky that in the same week that those smuggled drugs were found, Thai Smile Airways said that passengers could buy seats, snacks, and drinks for their loop tap. Of course. You're always welcome to spend more money. Right, of course. But that news did not last very long. The Bangkok Post quoted a spokesman for the Civil Aviation Authority of Thailand saying, quote, Based on international aviation rules, passengers are people, so airlines aren't allowed to sell tickets for dolls. The compromise is to allow passengers to purchase a second seat under their own names and store their Luktep in the seat. Wild. Okay. But in the end, one Luktep buyer described her reason for owning one of the dolls simply saying, quote, My daughter wants a sister and friend. In her school, her friends also have Luktep. So my daughter wants to have one like other people. Yeah, I I can see that being the biggest reason for this trend continuing is just the the want and the need to do what everyone else is doing. And I was the kid who probably way longer than I should have would carry my American Girl doll around out in public. (gasps) Which American Girl doll did you have? I had a hand-me-down that was my mom's. So I had Kirsten. But, like, I had Kirsten and my – so my dad's mom was a seamstress. So she – all the clothes that I had for my American Girl doll were, like, sewn by my grandma. I didn't have any of the, like, fancy modern clothes that came with them. I had, like, very 1800s-inspired dresses. (laughs) Yeah. But what she did is she would make a dress for the American Girl doll and then she'd make one for us that matched it. Yeah. I did the matching thing. I had one that looked like me. Which was by the same company, but they were called something else. I think they were oh, twin when they dolls let you or whatever. To, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then my my favorite American Girl doll was I had Kaya, and I had Kaya because she had the prettiest horse. She had, <laughs> yeah. She was the Native American Girl doll who had the Appaloosa horse. Um, 
and I had all the stuff for her, but specifically, I had all of the possible stuff for her horse. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I loved her so much because she had long hair and I had short hair, so I could play with her hair. Um, Mm -hmm. But 100% all Kaya ever did was go hang out with her horse. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway... (laughs) Unicorns. Um, Anyway, we're going to take a brief story break. Let's do it. Excerpts from the writing of Olivia Taylor, 1984 to 2018. These were posthumously discovered in her desk in 2018 and sold to the Fairview Museum of the Occult in 2021. One. Wow, uh, okay, this is weird. I'm not even sure what to write. My mother-in-law gave me this book to write every day about Kennedy. I'm not exactly sure what to even say, to be honest. She's three weeks old. Aside from being seven pounds and five ounces of the cutest little baby-smelling sweet little bean, Kennedy just eats, sleeps, and poops. Uh, are moms allowed to say that their new baby is boring? I, I don't mean boring. Like, I'm not absolutely obsessed with every single little sound that she makes, and I can't take my eyes off of her. And if she doesn't start looking a little less like her father's baby pictures and a little more like mine, I'm going to be <laughs> frankly crushed. But I refuse to believe that this is the best time of our life together. My nipples hurt, and it was an absolute bitch and a half trying to get her footprints stamped onto the cover of this book. Sorry for the runny ink smears, future me. This is my first time being responsible for the well-being of another person. Ink smears are going to be the least of it. Anyway, Kennedy is crying and I'm leaking, so that's enough of this. Two. Hey, Susan, it's me. What the hell? (laughs) Okay, so the book I can kind of get because it's cute and I bet it was on sale at Target. Look, I'm using it. You're the best mother-in-law ever. Yay. Okay, but the nightmare doll? That was rude. Okay, so it's Ken's third birthday. Things are going great. I did a ton of research on how to not overwhelm your toddler at birthday parties. Recall the great frosting meltdown of 2017. The family is all having a great time, and even Uncle Rich is behaving But not you, Susan. You couldn't leave it at all the velvet, dry-clean-only, dress-choking-hazard, unicorn-canopies, sexist, whatever presents, could you? How long did you have that little gremlin in your attic, by the way? Okay, okay, okay. Apparently. When Eric was a baby, he got this doll from his grandfather and blah, 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 blah. The thing goes all the way back to Holland, I kid you not. I think there's a chance that it actually has real human hair, which is gross. It looks like the Crypt Keeper mixed with a clown mixed with that guy from Lord of the Rings. And of course, Kennedy loves it. Her other grandma got her four different Barbie dolls. The kid has stuffed animals out the wazoo. But while I'm trying to keep from leaping out of my chair and Eric is having a moment with his mother about family history, Ken's toddles over with her hands up saying, baby, and clutches the thing for the entire rest of the party. I could only pry it out of her hands when the cake finally came out. Susan, I know you are overjoyed. Move over, Meryl Streep. I deserve an Oscar for the thank you I had to give to you, Sue. 
I am not bringing you any more of those coffee pods, bitch. (sighs) Three. So the doll has a name now. It's cheesy. Genuinely, I have no clue how my daughter came up with that, but Kenny loves it, and so I can't just dash cheesy in a crawl space. It's starting to freak me out a little less. And after the hundredth time of poking my head into her room and seeing it staring back at me from her bed, I'm getting used to it. By the way, Susan, still f*** you. Four. Eric is going to think I'm going full yellow wallpaper or something if I say this out loud, but I think Cheesy is moving. I know exactly how crazy that sounds, and I'm still working from home and spending all of my time with a three-year-old, so I know how extra crazy that sounds. I just keep finding it all over the house. When I am absolutely certain I put it away in a toy box, or Ken's had it in her room. And the little critter is always in the weirdest places. The other day, I found him up on the kitchen table, facing the window. He looked like he was trying to break out of the house. There's no way Kennedy could have gotten Cheesy up there unless she hauled out and tossed him, and I can't imagine her doing that. Is it weird to say that I'm going to keep an eye on a doll? Five. So my child is haunted. (laughs) I had to put Kennedy in a timeout yesterday for the first time in ages. We were out at the cul-de-sac. All the kids were playing on the center island and all the parents posted up with some lawn chairs. I made a big picture of vodka and crystal light. It's the usual Thursday. Sam, my neighbor three doors down, dubbed this the Homeowners Association, and so the name stuck. Kennedy is great with other kids. She is right in the middle of the group of them. There's two little girls and a boy who are closer to two, and there's a score of kindergartners who are a little older. Kenny does great with the older kids. She's way ahead for her age, but I am so proud of how she deals with the little ones. She just shows so much empathy for when they're not able to keep up. Anyway, she's playing with one of the really little girls, Caroline. They both brought a few dolls, and I sort of have my eye on them from my chair, but I'm not super worried. They're just quietly sitting in the grass. And then I hear a shriek, not a yell, this loud, painful little bird cry. We all run over, and Caroline is sobbing, crying, and Kennedy has like a chunk of her hair in her hand. Okay, not a chunk, but a lot of this little girl's hair. And I apologize to Caroline's parents. I take Kennedy away immediately. And of course, she's crying before we even get to the house because she knows she's in deep trouble. I squat down as soon as we have the front door closed. And I'm not screaming, but the tone isn't the most gentle parenting I've ever done. It was a lot of that girl's hair that she pulled out. And okay, so I asked Kennedy why she did it. Cheesy told me to. That's what she said, still holding the doll in her hand while she's crying. What? Cheesy told me to punish her for not listening. I didn't even know what to say. I know that I'm like thinking the doll is moving, but I haven't told anyone. And what would I even say? Is it possible to have a haunted doll talk to my child? I have no idea what to do. She won't even let me take him away to wash him. And Eric is pretty judgmental when I make jokes about Cheesy, so he's no help. Is my daughter's doll possessed? Six. I swear to God I saw him move. Okay. 
So I've been saying that Cheesy is moving around the house. Right. Okay. The new mom is crazy. Can you still be a new mom when your daughter is three? Anyway, okay, so I'm up around 1 a.m. because my sleep schedule is permanently ruined, and I go to the kitchen. I have some Haagen-Dazs for a sec, call it quits, and then on my way back to the bedroom, I poke my head in and I check on my daughter. Normal. So, the light from the hallway is shining into her room in this bright golden kind of slit. I used to think that this would wake Kennedy up, but it never does. She's a great sleeper. The light is going right across her shoulders. She has Cheesy tucked under her arm, and he's looking away. And then, in slow motion, in dead silence, the doll's head turns all the way around, and he's staring at me. I couldn't move for minutes, I think. I wanted to rip him out of her hands, but if I woke Kennedy like that, she would probably never sleep well again. So I left him. But I'm staying up just to be sure. 7. I put the doll into three layers of trash bags. I walked six or seven blocks over and stuffed it into a stranger's trash can. I tried not to be too sketchy, but I wanted that thing far, far away. He moved. I know he moved. And he definitely goes around the house when I'm not looking. Eric called Cheesy a family heirloom. Yeah, well, not in this family, buddy. I don't care how mad he gets. I saw the doll blink the other day more than once. Garbage truck comes first thing in the a.m. Bye-bye, Cheesy. Eight. Cheesy is back in the house. I don't know how it's even possible, but I saw him scurry in the hallway. And I don't know. I don't know. He was moving in the rooms I heard laughing, and it's like he got me stuck in the office somehow, and I was so scared because I heard the noises coming from the kitchen where all the knives are, and I couldn't get upstairs from the office without going that way, and every time I tried to catch a glimpse of him, there would be these crashing noises and giggling, and it seemed like he was chasing me, so I slammed the office door shut, and I locked it, and I was waiting for the noises to stop, but it's been dead quiet for about 10 minutes, and I don't know what to do. The door is stuck. Something is blocking the door from the outside. I I can't break through the door. Whatever's blocking it is too heavy. I can't hear anything anymore. Kennedy is alone in the house with Cheesy. End of notes from Olivia Taylor. Curator believes that the brown stains on the scrapbook that were originally believed to be ink spots matching the baby footprints are, in fact, blood. As of April 22nd, the Fairview Museum of the Occult is awaiting DNA testing. Please press the button below to activate black lights. I never want to meet Cheesy. <laughs> cheesy. What a nightmare doll. Cheesy. Just a little It's a good name for the for the first doll we saw. Yeah, you All know, it's totally face. based on Robert, obviously, cuz Robert is my OG scary doll inspiration. Right. Um and After reading about Robert, I did have to spend a night in a spooky house. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of time for it to really seep its way in there. Right. And actually, my grandfather had a scary, I think it was a Pinocchio doll that was like from his parents. And it lived in the upstairs room in his house where the TV was, where my family would always put me to watch TV when the adults were spending time together. So I would like have to keep my eye 
on the haunted doll mm. on the shelf. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that's the inspiration for Cheesy. Okay. I okay. also feel like, and uh, people are talking about it a lot now, kind of in horror, thanks to brilliant Jordan Peele and a lot of creators. But like, there's something about the suburban white person in a horror movie where they just like don't ever make the logical choice. Not once. And I feel like a millennial mom with a daughter named Kennedy would just never make the right choice. She's too constrained by propriety. Yeah. Yeah. Or hasn't had to uh, face as many challenges in life and so therefore doesn't have the natural instincts to like spot danger. Right. Like, why? Don't let the doll in the house, first rule. (laughs) No. Absolutely not. Okay, so let's talk about some more scary doll things. Let's talk about the island of the dolls. The what? Mm -hmm. I knew you would like this. Um, (laughs) This is the thing that originally made me, like, pull the trigger on finally doing this episode. Yeah, yeah, okay. So at the top of the list of places that are entirely too scary to visit, would be the Island of the Dolls. It's 17 miles south of Mexico City. And there is what is described by Mental Floss as, quote, a tiny floating garden which is populated primarily by creepy dolls of every type. Okay. The story goes that Don Julian Santana Barrera once came across a young girl who had drowned. He found a doll in the water that he believed once belonged to her and hung it from a tree on the island... And this was the beginning of his practice of doing that with a lot of dolls. Okay. Some people believe that maybe he made her up. These dolls are all over this island. And it they were said, or are said, I guess, that they have become vessels for this first young girl, as well as hosts for other spirits. After 50 years of collecting, in 2001, Barrera was found drowned in the same place he once found the girl. His ghost may have joined the others and stayed to possess the dolls. That was a turn I wasn't expecting. Some witnesses claim to have heard the dolls whispering to one another, and others say that they lure boats to the island. It is now a tourist attraction that's been on numerous TV shows, and visitors have been known to bring dolls of their own to hang up. Tracy, I I brought you a picture. (sighs) Oh, it's it's like someone – this is something I could see someone putting in their front yard as a Halloween decoration. (laughs) Yeah, but this is permanent. There is – one front and center to the not front and center one f- front to the left that i believe is stuck on the branch through its skull <gasps> oh my god i didn't notice that first thing i saw really i think the doll that is center bottom is is really terrifying it that one looks like it is uh, it looks off so so what we're looking at is a very gnarled kind of um twisted tree and on every possible Branch end is a different weather-beaten doll hanging. And they all look like baby dolls. Oh, very much so. Like they – most of them don't have hair and were never intended to have hair. Um, Some of them do have hair, but, you know, it makes them look even scarier. 
Their clothes are disintegrating. Yeah, yeah. I can see why it's a creepy attraction that people would go to. It's terrifying. This, for me, was the most terrifying because there's no way to know what this man's intentions actually were. Right. Was he really inspired by this young girl who passed away? Or is Mm -hmm. that just a story that got made up to go along with this? Because a lot of times, creepy things happen and then people plug in a tragic story later. Definitely. Was this just a man who liked dolls? Was this just a man who was like, you know, it will be so creepy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Or is this a side effect of mental illness joining uh, creativity? We'll never know. We'll never know. And it's definitely spiraled into something much bigger than just him. There's also something – it's the fact that they're humanoid just makes it so eerie to have all these little eyes looking down at you. It's it's Uncanny Valley. It is, like, they shouldn't call it the Island of Dolls. It should be the Uncanny Valley. Like, this, we found it. This is it. So now I want to go to one more place that came up a lot okay. while I was researching haunted dolls. And it is the Okodesawa Fetish Market in Lome, Togo. Atlas Obscura calls this, quote, the voodoo superstore of the world. All right. That's a headline that is clearly created to gain views. But, Mm -hmm. or and, I should say, this is a massive outdoor market that dates back to the 17th century and exists in a portion of West Africa where voodoo is a thriving religious practice. Mm. For context, in case anyone's not super familiar where Togo is, Ghana is to the west and Benin is to the east. And Lome, where the market is located, is the country's capital. According to Abishala Olasupo, writing for the Nigerian newspaper The Guardian, in Togo, at least 60% of people still practice voodoo, regardless of their other spiritual beliefs. Hmm. This place often comes up in articles mentioning haunted dolls because these dolls are quote, fetishes. And I don't use that word in the way that maybe some people are thinking uh, as Wikipedia. Me. I am some people. Oh. Oh, okay. Sorry, Trace. So Wikipedia explains, quote, a fetish is an object believed to have supernatural powers, or in particular, a human-made object that has power over others. Essentially, fetishism is the attribution of inherent value or powers to an object. Okay. Got it. And you see fetishism a lot in voodoo practices uh, and kind of that sprocketing out of related practices Mm -hmm. that we talked about a little bit in episode 11. So this market is not doll-specific at all. It is equally famous among non-practitioners for having a large variety of skulls and body parts from animals like goats, alligators, monkeys, etc. There are also charms, clothing, talisman, and a wide variety of figurines. And that's probably where this haunted doll thing is coming in. Mm, mm -hmm. Because, of course, uh, Western American European media likes to link spiritual practices that involve fetishism with haunting. Right. This is in no way, in no way is anyone who actually goes to this place like, ah, yes, the haunted place. Yeah. People who go to this place are like, ah, yes, the market with things that I need. Right, right. 
And I wanted to include it in this episode for that express reason. Because like many religions, Vodou has human figurines in the practice. And they also have mm-hmm. these ritualistic pieces of like body parts or talisman. It I think people forget like the Catholic Church has the body parts of saints in cathedrals. Oh. I mean, even more than that, when I was in Fatima, which is in Portugal, it's a very famous religious city, we, multiple things. One, we stopped at like a, a, a Catholic superstore. Any saint you could ever name, they had figures of, candles for, memorabilia of. And then before service in the, in the big center of town, you could buy wax replicas of body parts. And if you put it on, one I'm going to call the pyre, I didn't actually go to the service. Uh, basically, you melt it down and you're supposed to pray for healing and then it would heal that body part. That is not so shockingly different from what you are describing here, practices that are done. So for us to act like it's just this crazy, unheard of thing, that's so... Sorry, I was raised Catholic. Clearly, I have <laughs> some issues with the way that we talk about uh, Catholicism versus other religions as if it is so special and unique and pure. It's just not. Yeah, and I think this is a very willing and fable thing for me to have done. Like, I mm-hmm. I started off this episode with the intent of only pulling, like, classic haunted doll stories like Robert. Um, right. But as I was looking for these stories from other parts of the world, you know, I got to Okiku, and mm-hmm. that took me kind of down this more interesting channel of realizing that we call a lot of doll things that creep us out at us meaning others people who are not part of various practices haunted when in fact there's actually no official haunting linked and you know the doll island calling that haunted makes sense because there's a a ghost story that goes with it there's right. it's right. everything about it kind of is gearing toward haunting and then there's this place, which nothing about it is geared toward haunting. No, um, no. And then there's the Luktep, who are dolls that, to me, are very creepy because I am creeped out by dolls. That is just me. When, in fact, they're actually serving as, like, religious comfort items for a lot of people and even also just as toys, as that one person said in their quote. Right. And I, I just wanted to include that variety. Yeah, I love that you did this because we, in a Western lens – Think of spirits as only meaning ghosts. Yes. And in many cultures, spirits are entities that have n- nothing humanoid about them. A spirit is a is a separate entity from a ghost. Right. And I think also people forget, and I'm only s- slightly familiar with this, but a lot of pre-Christian European religions divided the soul into many parts, which also fundamentally mm-hmm. changes how a lot of Western media would tackle against spirits and haunting and ghosts. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, uh, Tracy, I pulled up a picture, and this is from that article from The Guardian by Abishala Olasupo, and I, which I love. This is their photograph. And this is a seller in their stall at the Okadesawa fetish market in Lome, Togo. Yeah, this is a stall filled with skulls and uh, I see some starfish. Um, Lots of animal skulls, animal heads. Turtle shells. Turtle shells. uh, Some figurines. 
um, very they 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 look like a kind of simplistic figure of a head and just kind of a body, and then a person in the center that's uh, the seller. It's a cool market stall. I would love to go to it. I have no way of knowing the cost of these items at all, but looking mm-hmm. at this just makes me think of how much value is represented there because the bones are not easy to acquire. It's even if you're someone whose whole job that is and that you're very skilled at it, like there's a lot of steps involved in preserving these items or crafting some of them that we're looking at. Mm -hmm. I pulled this picture because I think it expresses the amount of value happening in this area. It's just one stall of many. Mm -hmm. The Lome fetish market was referred to almost as a, quote, pharmacy in one of the articles that I read. Yeah, that makes sense. In 2020, Abishala Olapsupo writes for that Guardian article, which is, again, the Guardian, a publication out of Nigeria, not the Guardian, what we may be usually thinking of. Um, Right. Quote, the market is very large with divided stalls and huts, which are said to be the fetish priest's consultation hall. Customers come to the market to consult the fetish priest, seer, or psychic, and traditional doctors who prescribe items to buy for their rituals. Atlas Obscura adds, It is a jarring place for tourists who are not used to the idea of animal sacrifice as part of worship or using pieces of the dead as talismans, but for locals who practice the religion, it is a treasure and a necessity. So... I want to take us from this kind of like practical, truly like pharmacy style shopping mm-hmm. to shopping on the internet. <laughs> this Ooh, was my absolute it. favorite part of researching um, because, again, my mind was blown. Tracy, this is for you. Okay. And me. <laughs> In 2014, the year the film Annabelle was released, doll sales were lower than they were 10 years previous. But this still accounted for $2.32 billion in sales, which beats out plushies, action figures, arts and crafts, and vehicular toys. The dolls are a close second to outdoor and sports toys. And to that, I Mm. want to quickly add, every public school in the nation is buying what, like, you know, dozens upon dozens of balls to chuck at each other during Mm -hmm. kickball and dodgeball they're not buying like 24 odd porcelain dolls so the fact that the sales are so high is notable absolutely especially because outdoor and sports toys can be are are seen as unisex very Mm -hmm. often so you can just give them to all children but dolls are seen as very much a feminine thing just before the annabelle film was released in september 2014 a collectible Kamer and Reinhardt doll, which is like a classic, mm-hmm. was sold for a shocking $395,750. That is more than many people's homes. Mm-hmm. So if you yourself, dear listener or Tracy, <laughs> want mm-hmm. a haunted doll. I don't. Go on. <laughs> might I suggest the eBay search real haunted dolls? Oh, yeah. Because it is Fuck. Wild. There were pages upon pages of listings for the creepiest, mostly porcelain dolls. And here's the thing. Many of them were posted by the same seller, but not all. Mm -hmm. And the listings sounded more like a dating site than I would have expected. So I'm going to read some of my favorites for you. Okay. 
Real Haunted Porcelain Vessel Doll. Christopher, Very Active Mama's Boy. $72 or best offer. Real Haunted Vessel Doll. Bridget, Very Active, Playful, Can Be Mean-Spirited. $85 or best offer. Real Haunted Doll Found in Cemetery. Active, Was Removed from a Grave. Beware, Ghost Emoji. $1,200 or best offer. Haunted Doll Zenda, Lilithian Witch Succubus, Make Sexual Fantasies Real, $98 or Best Offer. What? Real Haunted Vessel Doll. Wendy, Very Active, Carefree and Outgoing, $38 or Best Offer. Okay, first of all, you're doing Wendy dirty. She is the best listing here and she's the cheapest one. Uh, That's what I want to talk about. Like, the nicer the doll's spirit the less they cost. Like, the one who was listed as can be mean-spirited cost $13 more than the very active mama's boy. And the succubus, shockingly cheap compared to just doll removed from grave. (laughs) Wait, hold on. I just processed. I thought it was removed from graveyard. Removed from grave? There are photos of the doll just kind of laying on the grave by a headstone, which leads me to believe that it was a child's grave and a person who cares about that child like left the doll or it was left at a different grave and got kind of moved by, I don't know, a dog or a person or a weather. So that one's kind of sad. My cynical brain is like, that person just took the doll to a graveyard, put it on a grave, took a picture, and then sold it for $1,200. It was sketchy, but, you know, good for them if they make that much money. It was a, The doll had been through a lot, clearly. Like, it was Haunted yeah. Doll Island level of weather. Um, <sighs> Woof. And before anyone writes in, we know um, Bim Bam, My Brother, My Brother and Me, does the Haunted Doll Watch series so yes yes but yes, i we know that is a thing i would be remiss if i didn't mention it in this episode oh yeah 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 a hundred percent especially like because it was newer to me the haunted dolls like i knew but then going on the actual ebay search in your actual own ebay account and then having that account affected by the search really changes it yeah yeah like so many of these dolls were photographed in front of Ouija boards, and then it would have the note, like, Ouija board not included. And then it would have to have the note, like, eBay requires that I say that this is for an entertainment purposes only. Like, oh my God. very interesting. What a rabbit hole you fell down. I know. Which doll? Which doll are you going to buy if you have unlimited money? Wendy! <laughs> very active, carefree, outgoing. That's the energy we need in this household. I think, I mean, I... Okay, since you bought Wendy, I think I have to buy Zenda. She's a lot. The Lilithian witch succubus makes sexual fantasies real. Yeah, and have- What also (laughs) wasn't captured in your reading is that two of these are fully all caps. And my favorite part is that if I'm going to read this the way that it's written out, it's Haunted Doll, Zenda, Lilithian witch succubus makes sexual fantasies real. $98 or best offer. Can you please read the cemetery one like that? Real haunted doll found in cemetery. Active. Was removed from a grave. Beware. Ghost emoji. (laughs) Ghost emoji. $1,200 or best offer. (laughs) (laughs) This was was such a treat. Thank you. Yeah, this was just like our our light variety show. I'm losing my mind. Haunted dolls episode. (laughs) 
I'm losing my mind. You did a great job. To haunted dolls. <laughs> yes. Yes. As far as we know. Mm. It there is something uniquely scary about reading about haunted dolls in the middle of the night, though. I could. I, could, I certainly couldn't do it. <laughs> you don't think? I know. I'm I'm a hundred percent certain I could not do that unless it was broad daylight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I brought these haunted things for you, cheesy included. <laughs> no, um, I love cheesy. I'm gonna hand that one back to you, but I will I'll take the rest. Someone Thank has you. any artistic ability and wants to draw cheesy, I'd be delighted. <laughs> That would be really fun to see, actually. I would love that. So before we do our something good, Mm -hmm. I think we should probably do our shared something good as podcast co-hosts who just got cool mail. Oh, yes. So people will have, by this point, you know, seen it on the Instagram. Um, But it still feels new to us. (laughs) It's new to us. Our amazing listener, Tom, sent us such a thoughtful gift with truly i think the thing that like really touched our hearts was just the most incredible the letter. letter to go along with it the letter i we cried yeah so tracy did an un- tracy does this it's so amazing she does unboxing videos in her car when she picks up our mail at the mm-hmm. p.o box i get too excited to wait until i get home and you were reading the letter and you got all choked up i did, did. so tom sent these engraved whiskey glasses with the William Fable logo on them. And then there was a drink whiskey and rant about history. And he sent two sets, which is so cute because we don't live near each other. <laughs> yeah. And it was just such a thoughtful gift. And and hearing, hearing how much the podcast means to you, really, it just, oof. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I'm going to get teary again. I, Tom, you just – you will not know how much that meant to us and to hear your thoughts and the impact we've had on you and then the people around you just by doing what we do. It, yeah. Thank you for, for sharing and that. And it came at such a interesting time because we had to go on a brief hiatus uh, to do life things, unfortunately, and we kind mm-hmm. of had a very serious discussion about – like what we could do to preserve the longevity of the show um because mm-hmm. our goal is always like continuing long term um and this has been a hard little chunk and to get that letter and those very kind gifts like right now was especially meaningful mm-hmm. it was um so that's our shared something good <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Tracy, do you want to tell me something good that's just for you? <laughs> yes, I will. Um, so I got a package in the mail today that contained an early birthday present <laughs> from Rowan. It wasn't supposed to be early. It just came. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't I wasn't waiting. There's no there was, I was way too excited. Way too excited. And so I opened it up and this perfectly ties in with what Tom sent us, because she sent me Monday Whiskey, which is alcohol-free whiskey. Because uh, as our longtime listeners will know, I have uh, an alcohol intolerance, so I can no longer really have alcohol. The same way lactose intolerant people can't really have dairy. So Rowan sent me 
this alcohol-free whiskey that you can mix in with things, you can have neat, you can have on the rocks, and I am going to enjoy it. Yeah, I've been sitting on this for a long time, actually. I've been wanting to get this for you because um, Monday is a SoCal brand. They won some awards, uh, and they're local to California, which I love. And there are a couple mm-hmm. companies that are doing this now. Monday was the first one I heard about, probably because I live in SoCal. Right. But it just – When I saw it, it just makes me so happy that someone is doing that. So I don't know how it tastes, but I'm really enthusiastic. (laughs) And they do gin and tequila. Yes. Oh, I'll I'll be getting both of those as well because I – this is – it's so exciting to be able to have like mixed drinks with my friends. Yeah. And I – it's funny. I drink mocktails all the time. I think – Yeah. I think – non-alcoholic drinks can be just as fun. I have a friend who's like so amazing at mixing cocktails and sometimes I just say, hey, can I have a mocktail? Mm -hmm. And he goes just as hard on the mocktails as he does on the regular ones. Yeah. So I think it's like it would – it's so fun to have an opportunity to now Mm -hmm. do this with a whiskey thing basically. Yeah. So happy birthday. (laughs) Thank you. I – by the time you listen to this, it will be – it will be well past my birthday. But at the time we're recording – it's not it even your birthday yet. yet. So. <laughs> no, not even not even a little bit. No, there's still well over a week. But it is your turn, Rowan. Tell me something good. <sighs> Yo, I I hate to say it because I started the episode with it, but I have a place to live. <laughs> uh, no, that's a big one, and it should be absolutely your something good. You have a home that is yours, mm-hmm. that you live in. Yeah, and I... In this living setup, I have so much space that is mine, and that is Mm -hmm. fantastic. City living just in general is absolute insanity, whether people live by themselves or with others. It's so often you can just live in such a small space, and that's kind of the way that it is Mm -hmm. living in an expensive city. But I have so much space. Uh and and closet space, which it turns out is a thing that you get really excited about when you're an adult. Um, yes, uh, I will be purchasing a vacuum soon. Um, a new vac, like a like a fancy adult vacuum. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, that was a Christmas gift for me a few years ago. And while I recognize my childhood died in that moment, I was also so overjoyed and grateful. <laughs> I. I'm overjoyed and grateful to be on a vacuum hunt, but also resentful of my joy. <laughs> it's a twofold. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. But that. I live somewhere, which is fantastic and 100% brought to you in part by my mother and my father being so supportive and like just diving in and being so helpful and mm-hmm. my extended family and you and Kaylee and. Arlene and Lexi and a bunch of our friends that people know. (laughs) Um, Yes. (laughs) But this is – I think I have learned in people being very uncomfortable hearing me not having a place to live for the last bit that um, I just think there's this image of like when bad things happen to people and their living situation gets affected that it must only be – bad people who are dirty or don't work hard or like any of a number of stereotypes that Mm -hmm. we collectively as a society put on our unhoused community members. Yes. And so I have just realized in the last little bit 
like I tried to just like tell like just so you know I'm homeless right now because I want people to know that like I who am a approachable young comfortable like white woman who mm-hmm. had never wasn't clean never wasn't showered never didn't have a job mm-hmm. like my right. income is the same as it always been it wasn't affected that still happens and I mm-hmm. <laughs> I it, it was uncomfortable for me to watch other people be uncomfortable and yet it was very eye-opening yes yes I, I completely understand that I my mom was the grand writer and director of a homeless shelter for years and years and years. So I've always, ever since then, I've had this different way of looking at unhoused people. And and I'm very grateful for that because it's exactly what you say of now when I walk around the city that she worked in, I still say hi to all the people and, and talk to them and ask about their days and all that stuff because they're people. They're, they're not, yes, absolutely. It's like you said, people look at you and they're like, well, you shouldn't. Rowan, you shouldn't say you're homeless. You're just – You just don't have anywhere to you're live. in between places. You just – yeah, it's it's not that you're homeless. It's that um, you're just waiting until you find your next place, right? Like, it's just – like, no, you were homeless for a month. Yeah, and I am very lucky. I am – like, yes. I have people who are like, oh, my gosh, stay with me. Of course, like, it wasn't an issue in the way that it really could have been, and that's not because of right. – Again, it's not because of the fact that I have a job. It's not because of, like, all of the things that make me, like, comfortable in my life. It's because other people were supportive. It's because of community. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I know I definitely can forget how wide and big my community is. Um, so I think it's important to remember. And weird. It's all weird. But it is very nice to have a place. <laughs> yes, I'm very glad you have a place. And everyone should donate to your local homeless shelter, support your community. That's where it starts. And thank you so much for joining us today. And remember that stories grow with the telling. So if you like what we do, tell a friend or tell a foe. And we'll see you soon. Okay? Thank you so much for joining us for the Willing and Fable podcast. This episode was written and produced by Tracy Harrison and Rowan Hall. That's me. Our logo is by Jamie Harrison, and our music is by Taylor Ash. If you ever want to watch or read what we're reading, head over to willingandfable.com for our show notes and custom merch, or find us at Willing and Fable on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok to join the discussion. We hope you'll rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast using your favorite listening source. And check out Willing and Fable on Patreon, where we have more than a few surprises for you, including custom artwork, stories, and access to our secret Discord channel. And of course, join us next time for another round of original retellings and in-depth research on the history, mystery, and mythology that makes the world so fascinating. Do not make me spit take at my microphone. I swear to God. Well, now I have only one goal in life. <laughs>